Nashville Predators back at home tonight for another preseason game, this time against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, we'll look ahead to tonight's game. But the big storyline this week may be the battle for the fourth line. There are a lot of good players who could be on that bottom line when the season starts for the Nashville Predators. And a lot of them so far have been impressive in preseason and in camp. We'll break down some of the candidates we think might be the best fit coming up today on Locked on Predators. Your Locked on Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Predators your first listen of the day, every single day. I'm Nick Morgan. I'm a writer and editor at OnTheForeCheck.com, and I have a partner in crime. You do. I am Ann Kimmel. I'm a writer and editor at InsideThePreds.com. It's another Preds game day, kind of, sort of. Preseason action tonight at Bridgestone Arena, 7 o'clock Central against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Remember, this was the game that was supposed to be in Tampa, uh, but of course, everybody in Florida right now is dealing with Hurricane uh, Ian. Um, So, uh, you know, for, for all our Lightnings listeners, for all of our Panthers fans, or anybody else that has family or friends, down in Florida. Uh, our, we're thinking of you. Uh, we, we hope you get through it. And uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're with you on this. Um, so yeah. Um, let's go back to the hockey though and preseason action tonight. Um, what's what's one storyline you're watching for in tonight's game? Gosh, there, I think that there are actually a lot of storylines that are going to be unfolding between tonight's game and again tomorrow night when the Predators play the Tampa Bay Lightning again. And I think part of that is how is this roster, I don't think, is becoming much more clear the more preseason action we see in the sense that all of these players have really stepped up, not only in training camp, which training camp has been just – a level of intensity it's been hard it's been a really intense high energy fast pace uh training camp but also these preseason games you know you look back at the doubleheader against florida you have a lot of players that did very well i think you know i don't think that this roster is paring itself down as quickly as maybe some other preseason rosters have so for me i think it's going to be interesting Number one, the combinations that are put out on the ice, because John Hines talked about that a little bit yesterday after um, practices. So I think the combinations that are put out there are going to be interesting. But I think in the next two days, we're going to get a look at a lot of players vying for just a few spots. So individual performances are going to be key tonight. And it's, it's funny you said individual performances because it seems like uh, in the first two games, there are kind of two trains of thought for John Hines. And one was, let's put the individual player in a situation where we can see how he does, kind of like with Cody Glass centering mm-hmm. that top line with Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne. And then there's the other, and it's like, let's put people together that we think are going to be together regular season and see how they do, like Borowiecki and Dante Fabro, or – that potential second line, Johansson, Niederreiter, right. and Phil Tomasino. So it's kind of interesting to see, like, maybe if he dives into some clues here a little bit, maybe we get a look at what that fourth line 
is going to be, which is something that we're going to talk about today. But, you know, that, that's going to kind of be the interesting thing is there's players that you want to see, like, where do they fit in? And then there's like combinations of people that you want to see together. And it's like, okay, how's their chemistry together? Because it can right. be a very different thing. Like you can shine and just be like a dynamo in preseason. You can be doing everything right. You may just not have that ideal fit uh, for one of the lines of the Nashville Predators. And again, you know, this is, this is interesting because we have a lot of people that have done very well in camp in, um, in, in preseason so far that are battling for, you know, at this point and what seems like four roster spots mm-hmm. up front. Yeah, there are not a lot of opportunities for players who have shown they're ready for an opportunity so far in preseason. And I think that really has John Hines and the coaching staff putting a lot of focus, a lot of emphasis on what happens in these next two games and also what happens when they have an exhibition game in Switzerland as well. They're going to need every last moment of on-ice competition, I think, to land where they want to land. Because like you said, they're not only just looking for individuals, but they have a whole fourth line. What do they want this line to do? Do they want this to be just you know, a physical line, a shutdown line? Do they want this line to have some scoring punch? Because you have a number of players to pull from that could potentially be ready for some NHL minutes. But are you going to get from them what you want from this fourth line? And I think he's going to be putting some lines out tonight and tomorrow. Combinations to see, okay, hey, is this combination of players going to be a shutdown kind of fourth line or is this going to be a secondary scoring fourth line so I think that there are still questions about what they need in the fourth line on top of who can meet that need and these players um, are really not making it easy on Heinz which is great because it felt like last year it was like the fourth line was kind of like well we got a body somebody be good enough to play on the fourth line Yeah, like, let's just, well, okay, you could go here. There's a spot here. And that's very different than how this fourth line is going to be constructed this season, which super refreshing. But I would not want to be John Hines and the training staff right now because these players are not, they're not ready to eliminate themselves from the conversation. And they are performing well in the practice situations. And I think most of them performed really well when we saw them against Florida. So this is wide open. I really do think a lot about the fourth line is wide open. Yeah. So look at the last year's fourth line. We had Michael McCarron kind of towards the end of the season, Nick Cousins and Phil Tomasino. Obviously Cousins is not here. Uh, Phil Tomasino seems like he's been bumped up to maybe a top six role. So that leaves a couple of interesting people. Um, Mm -hmm. One of them is Michael McCarron himself. Now, it's it's funny because it always seems like, oh, God, we got to find a replacement for McCarron. That seems to be the the sentiment when you look at Twitter and stuff. But he didn't play bad last year, Ann. Right. Like, he was was pretty solid defensively. He had a little bit of, of offensive punch. I'm sure a lot of that was playing with Phil Tomasino, Mm -hmm. but it's not like, Oh my God, this guy's a detriment, like a detriment. There's gotta be something better out there. He did his role and he did it pretty well. And, you know, you look at camp and he's had a good start to camp, 
in the in the first preseason game, he played the first game and was very effective. Went to the net hard, drew a penalty in, in like the first uh, like minute or so. Mm-hmm. So there's that you know he was very effective offensively uh defensively he put a, you know a pretty good tape together especially on the penalty kill so yes. like my question is why are people counting out michael mccarron maybe your fourth line center to start the season yeah i don't know and we had talked about this on another show that we've been a part of some conversations where people are like anybody but michael mccarron like can we just you know get anybody but michael mccarron he's just a big body that's not really true. If you're looking for somebody to play, you know, kind of um, a shutdown physical line in the fourth line, Michael McCarron is kind of that guy. And I agree with you, you know, it's very different. You have to get a look at Michael McCarron without somebody like Phil Tomasino, because Phil Tomasino is a little bit of a line changer. You know what I'm saying? Like things are going to look a little bit different with Phil Tomasino on a line, especially, you know, going forward just to see matures and as his game gets a little bit better and faster. But Michael McCarron in and of himself has a lot of upside and he did a lot of things like penalty kill. And those, you know, that on a resume is going to weigh differently. You know, he's not just six, what is he, six, six? Six, five. Six, five. He's not just a whole lot of hockey player on there. You know, to be able to have him where you can put him out there on things like the penalty kill, these kind of things are are all weighed. All of these little skill sets are Mm -hmm. going to be a part of the equation. And Michael McCarron is not somebody that I think Predators fans should say, oh, thank God we're going to get rid of him. Mm, no, he's somebody to have in your pocket. Like, I would not be surprised to see him kind of uh, to see him make fourth line, fourth line roster spot. No, uh, 100% agree. I think he's going to be um, in contention. You know, and if he, if he doesn't get it, I think he at least fits in maybe as your extra forward or one of your extra For sure. um, depending on how many people the Preds carry into the season. Uh, we assume, mm-hmm. you know, a full 23, but we don't know if there's going to be one extra forward and two extra D-men like there were for a lot of last year. Or if you maybe bring two extra forwards and then maybe just have Mark Borowiecki and or, you know, Jeremy Lazan as kind of your extra person. So there's kind right. of a lot to see on this one. Um, plenty of more players uh, that are pushing for a spot on the bottom pair, including somebody that we talked about a little bit with the Locked On Abs crew yesterday, Ethan <sighs> Sherwood. He's been a wild card uh, mm. so far. So we'll talk about him in a second. First, though, want to mention today's show brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports this season. Uh, you can find all the latest player developments, team matchup news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find this season from college football to pro football, boxing, MLB, MMA, golf, soccer, and of course, the NHL. They put out a bunch of new stuff to get you ready uh, for the 2022-23 NHL season, including some of our early predictions on uh, scoring bets for teams, how many points certain players are going to get, so be sure you check that out. Uh, as always, Ben Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. So head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, and we've been talking about a uh, a couple 
of um, solid players this year that may find their way up into the lineup, especially on that fourth line. Let's talk about a guy who last year didn't really, well, we're going to get to the guy you're thinking a little bit. Let's start. I'm dying. Let's start with a guy that has kind of battled for a fourth line role just because there's not really anywhere else for him to really battle. Ellie Tolvanen. Mm, yeah. Now, look, we assume, like, here's the thing. There's a disclaimer with this where Ellie Tolvanen may go up to the second line uh, if things don't work out with Phil Tomasino on that line. It sounds like there still could be a battle with him, but it certainly seems like they're going to want Phil Tomasino up there. And that leaves the question of what do you do with Ellie Tolvanen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I hate that we are asking that question because I think this is a player who does so very many things right. And honestly, if you think about it, when, you know, I really like the kind of breadth of talent that you have if you have Tomasino, Nita Ryder, and Johansson together. Like, I really like that. You've got like physical players, you've got net front presence, you have Phil Tomasino, who's like, you know, a hamster in a wheel on the ice, kind of creating some things. But also, if you take, Ellie Tolvanen and put him with Nita Ryder and Johansson. That ain't nothing neither. So I'm with you. Like, you know, there's, you know, we'll, we'll see where he ends up. He may end up with some, some minutes there, but I think you're right for what we're seeing in preseason. It looks like he's battling for a fourth line spot. I, you know, I don't know how the predators don't have him on the ice game in and game out. I understand he, you know, scoring wise offensively, quite a drought last season, but he does so many things well. He does so many things well. And I think that had he not come into the franchise, into the organization, been introduced to the fan base, the way that he was with his offensive punch kind of being the highlight, I think people maybe would appreciate more how well-rounded his game is because the thing that's missing is the thing that he was had a great reputation for right now. I don't know how you don't put Ellie Tolvanen on the ice for 82 games, although, you know, didn't happen last season. He was, you know, he was scratched a couple of times. But I think, you know, especially if you're looking for a fourth line that kind of potentially has the balance of both, like depth scoring and also shutdown, because he's so great. He has a great two-way game. He's very defensively responsible. Um I don't know how the Predators don't have Ellie Tolvanen on the fourth line. And yet there's a part of me that's like, are you going to have Ellie Tolvanen on the ice for 82 games? I don't know. Like That seems like the question mark, though, doesn't it? Like, it's where does Ellie Tolvanen fit in with this team? Mm -hmm. And does he actually fit in at all with John Hines? I mean, we assume he's going to be somewhere. But, you know, it's sort of got the, the, you know, towards the end of last season, especially – it sort of kind of felt like Victor Arvidsson the year before where mm-hmm. it just felt like, you know what? It just doesn't seem like he's a John Hines guy, which is weird yeah. because a big breakthrough season the year before, of course, came under John Hines. It just doesn't seem like he's gotten to the point of where the Predators really expected him to be. And, of course, last year he was on the second line. That was kind of his big audition. This was like them saying, you know what, we're ready for you to take the next step. Um, and, and he didn't, I mean, he did a lot of things. Well, very good 200 foot player, very good defensive forward. I just think they were thinking, you know, he's a little bit more than what we're Mm -hmm. thinking. He did get bumped down to the fourth line uh, a couple of times last year and played fairly well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I, I think he does the core of his game is kind of what John Hines wants for yes. an identity, which is, you know, that that solid, you know, good two way mindset. It just didn't really translate to production last season. And, that um, you know, you just said something that jumped out at me because so much about Ellie Tolvanen's game is exactly what John Hines wants well what you know he wants like from everything he's well from what he says yeah yeah, but just you know him being healthy scratched a bunch especially Mm -hmm. leading towards the playoffs gives like raises the question it's like what else what else is happening here yeah like because it's like from from our perspective it looks like he fits in great with what john hines wants to do right hines isn't playing him so what's the deal here? Like, is mm-hmm. there something else? Do they picture Ellie Tolvanen playing a different way than what we're seeing him play? Yeah. Yeah. I, and and that I think is what was so mystifying last year is like, he's doing all of the things you're, you're asking for, except the scoring, which obviously yeah. is key, but yet, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, but I, again, I come back to, I don't see how this franchise does not put Ellie Tolvanen on the ice most of this season. I don't know how you don't have him on the ice with what he can do and how well-rounded his game is. Um, Let's talk about a free agent that I think mm-hmm. kind of went under the radar when he was signed. And a lot of people kind of waved him off. That's Zach Sanford. Yeah. Zach, Zach Sanford is a guy that it, it seems like he's, it's like buying a piece of furniture at Goodwill. Uh, you're not, <laughs> this, this might be an antique desk worth like $5,000. Mm-hmm. This might be full of termite damage. You don't really know what yes. you're getting in Zach Sanford. Now look, um, he is a guy that uh, when he signed, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, this is, this is a very, very tall man that David Boyle likes. Uh, I think our, right. our buddy Sean Smith, who's been a guest on here a couple of times, uh, he said he excels in the stat height over six feet. Mm-hmm. That's that's like the big thing that attracted him to the Preds. But you know, you you break down his game, and there's a little bit of intrigue here. And you know, he is very you know pretty good defensively. Uh, I think that was kind of like the big thing the Preds got on. He was like one of Ottawa and Winnipeg's like top penalty killers off the ice didn't really work out because both those teams are garbage. Um, but you look and you know, the years prior to that, when he was in St. Louis, uh, he did do, do very well in the, um, like the penalty killing department. And, you know, so a lot of people are like, Oh yeah, this is just kind of like a depth, whatever guy you go back to the lockout shortened season. And he had 30 points yes. in the games, including 16 goals. So it's not like this is just like a nothing guy that you're going to put out there. There is some scoring potential in Zach Sanford also, and it kind of brings you back to, okay, I mean, it it feels like this is a guy that could develop into kind of a wild card for the Nashville Predators. Yeah, this was one of those signings where I think people, like you said, sort of glossed over, oh yeah, okay, they picked up some big guy. But there's a lot of potential in Zach Sanford's game. And like you said, it's there. If you look, this is somebody who has 
you know, the ability to score. But he also, again, plays that what we think of as a prototypical John Hines kind of game, especially if you're looking for somebody on the fourth line. And look, he is big. He's 6'4", little over 200 pounds, zero judgment here about that. But I think he brings more to the table than big body fourth line. Uh, I think he's good. Like his checking game is very good. So definitely somebody to keep an eye on. And he is somebody in my mind that I think would be a little bit higher in my thought process if it weren't for the fact that we still haven't even touched on all the other options that are out there too. So Zach Sanford is somebody to keep your eye on. I think in the next, you know, tonight or tomorrow night, you know, on wherever he slots in on the roster, because I think he's somebody that the Preds are keeping their eye on. Also, I want to give you a shout out for comparing this season to like Antiques Roadshow. Because that is a hundred percent. Like, do you have, you know, a a painting you got at the garage sale for $2 and (laughs) it's worth nothing? Or do you have a Monet? Like that is a hundred percent the vibe of this preseason. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because there's a lot of people and for Zach Sanford, you know, that he signed a one-year contract that, Mm -hmm. you know, wasn't super expensive, but it's a one-way deal. So you feel like the predators are going to do everything they can to kind of make him the guy. And it's one of those things where if he gets beat out, he's probably going to be put on waivers and um, right. Yeah. So, so probably that kind of situation. Um, Hey, a couple of other players that we want to talk about here and including one near and dear to your heart. Okay, I have I have officially found my Rem Pitlick the second, and we're going to talk about him in just a minute. But before we do, want to remind you if you want a big picture look at what's going on in the NHL, you need to check out Locked On NHL. It is a thirty minute daily podcast where they bring experts from the Locked On uh, arena and come together and tell you what you need to know across the league. What's going on? How are the teams looking? Who's injured? What coaches on the hot seat? All of that is discussed on Locked on NHL. You can find it anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Locked on NHL is your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. All right, Anna. A couple of other people that have uh, jumped into the conversation uh, Mm -hmm. for, for bottom line guy. One of them is somebody that's kind of become your favorite person here over a little bit. Uh, Kiefer Sherwood. Now, Kiefer Sherwood's an interesting guy. Uh, the Preds signed him in the offseason. Wasn't like a big thing, um, although he did sign a one-way contract, so that was kind of interesting. Um, but he is a guy that sort of played for Colorado last year. Uh, he played 10 games for the Avs, but 75 points for their minor league team. So I think a lot of people are like, okay, this is this is definitely like an AHL signing. This is going to like replenish the depth in Milwaukee. He has made the battle for the fourth line very interesting because it seems like, you know, whenever you're watching like recaps of some of the, um, you know, some of the practices and whenever you're going through and watching that preseason game that he was involved in the second one, Mm -hmm. he jumps off the tape. Like you hear that, you know, phrase in football a lot. It's like, oh, he jumps off the tape. You know, he always seems to be like front and center of every single play that he's on the ice with. You know, that that seems like that's been key for Sherwood this offseason. Yeah, I will tell you, went into training camp and obviously familiar with the name, but not really anybody that I was like, okay, I'm going to keep my eye on this one. 
this is a player who you can't help but watch. Like you said, jumps off of the tape. Um, you mentioned last season, he was uh, fifth. I think he had the fifth highest points in the entire AHL. So this is somebody who knows how to get things done um, on that level. Uh, our friends at Locked on Avs really liked him. Yeah. And it, so it felt a little bit good that we took something from them because they took our dignity. So we got Kiefer Sherwood in, in that trade. Um, I would gladly take being swept to have one Kiefer Sherwood. <laughs> Look, I'm almost there yeah. <laughs> because I really like, I really like this young man's game. Um, he is very just instinctually John Hines-ish as far as playing, you know, hard to play against, physical, uh, responsible, chases the pucks. Hey, is there a gritty area you'd like someone to go in? I'm your guy. And that's just been his natural game. So it's not like he's coming into this camp and trying to necessarily adjust what he's done previously on the ice. But he, you literally can't not watch him. And, and I'll be interested to see how he does, you know, in tonight or tomorrow night on the ice because you know, we went um, to, I can't remember which day of training camp it was, but our friend, like we were talking about, Sean Smith was there. And I said, hey, Sean, I want you to just kind of keep an eye on number 44 and tell me what you think. And we sat and watched the scrimmage. And these scrimmages were hardcore. Like they were intense. They were physical. They were fast paced. Um, and every so often we would look at each other and be like, that sure would. That sure would. I mean, harassing the crud out of anybody with the puck. So he's got this great defensive game to poke checks, chasing, you know, he is not out of a play. He just is not ever out of a play and um, doing all of the little things that John Hines loves. If he can add some scoring to that, um, he is my dark horse. He is my new Rem Pitlick, which means probably he's going to get waved because that's my life. That's my life story. But he is the person at training camp that I was like, wait a second, wait a second. Who are you? And, and yeah. why, you know, why aren't you on the ice more? Yeah. Love him. Would he be a good addition to the Preds? He sure would. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enough that was of great, that. that was so amazing. Um, hey, what about <laughs> Cody Glass? Now, that's somebody that it seems like it's a very interesting guy. And because it seems like, you know, he's obviously a center. The Preds have given him every opportunity to kind of be like front and center. Obviously, he got the number one center role playing with um, Duchesne and Forsberg. And it kind of seems like, OK, let's see what you can do as sort of a you know, a, a scoring center. Let's see what he can do. And he did very, very well. In fact, yeah. we talked about it after the, after uh, Monday's doubleheader, he was kind of one of the guys that stood out to us, mm -hmm. but it seems like for Cody glass, the conversation is going to be, his future is going to go back to what we talked about earlier with John Hines, which is what do you want that fourth line to be? Yeah. Do you want it to be like the go out there and, you know, mess people's worlds up and throw big hits and, you know, be like diving in front of pucks and, you know, getting in people's faces and fights and stuff like that? Because if so, that may be Cody Glass's detriment. That may be the thing mm -hmm. that keeps him in Milwaukee another year. But you watch him play and, and the question becomes, OK, it, it's really hard to see him going back to Milwaukee for another year because I don't know what else he has 
to work on. And clearly mm-hmm. the Reds still see some top six potential in him, but it's just like, you know, it's like, where does he fit in right now? Yeah. Yeah. And again, this is one of those players where I'm like, how do you not have him on the ice for 82 games? If you have him available to you, how do you not have Cody glass on the ice? And the obvious spot right now is, you know, fourth line. And he's somebody who could pop in if there was God forbid, some sort of injury or that kind of thing. But how do you not put Cody glass out there game in and game out? I don't know. But again, it comes back to, does he have enough of a game where he can do both kind of the fourth line physicality thing or the fourth line depth scoring? I think some players naturally have that. And to be fair, he did vastly improve his two-way game. 100%. Especially after that season working with Carl Taylor. I mean, it was night and day watching him, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when, when he first got sent down as opposed to when he got called up again for the first time. Yeah, I would be um, shocked. And quite honestly, I would be so disappointed to not see Cody Glass um, on an opening night roster for the Predators because I I really think his game is that good now and is only going to get better. But again, when you're when you're looking at a spot on the fourth line, there's something specific that John Hines is looking for. Is Cody Glass going to to do that? And and I will say this. Look, I I'm a big believer in. Cody Glass's talent and his ability. He has had a rough gig um, in the NHL. It started out great. He's had kind of a rough gig. I think he's done the work to get back. And I really would love to see him get the chance that I think his talent deserves, that his circumstances maybe have kind of gotten in the way with. So I I just don't know how you don't have him on an opening night roster on a fourth line, you know, centering a fourth line. But again, so many names and so you know, it could be anything that John Hines is looking for. So it's hard to say. Here's And here's an interesting question. Um, before There's a, just a couple other names I want to throw out mm-hmm. there. But an interesting question. Do you maybe see that herd line and the fourth line flipping a little bit? Mm. Do you maybe see Cody Glass and Phil, or not Phil Tomasino, Ellie Tolvanen form a sort of this, you know, more of a two-way kind of scoring line? With somebody like Zach Sanford or Kiefer Sherwood on the wing, and all of a sudden you have more of kind of like what the Nick Benino, Craig Smith, Maldi line was a few years ago, where it's like Mm -hmm. your third line, they're doing what you want them to do, but there's a little bit more of, you know, a, a scoring vibe to there. And then you bump the herd line maybe down to like the traditional grindy fourth line kind of thing, but a line that can still play 15 minutes a game very, very well. And right. all of a sudden now you have all this depth that you didn't really have before. Do you see a situation where that may be John Hines's wheelhouse? I think that's a really interesting proposition because you do have a line already established with great chemistry that plays both styles of fourth line that John Hines may be wrestling with. I mean, the herd line, they are a physical, they are a shutdown line. They are a, don't you wish you had your mama with you right now kind of line when they play on the ice, but again, offensive punch. So in theory, you have a line already created that can do both of what John Hines may be looking for from a fourth line and to be able to put a line together with Cody glass 
Ellie Tovin and Kiefer Sherwood may give you more depth scoring on that third line. I'm intrigued by that. The only thing is just the hitch in my giddy up with that is like, do you really want Tanner Janot to say he plays fourth line? Well, but that's the thing is you can take the numbers off the line. That's what we need to do because otherwise it feels, I feel judgy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like take, take him off the line for sure. Yeah. I mean, but like I said, like if you can do that, I mean, Colton Sissons, play him wherever you want. Just make sure he's on the ice in key mm -hmm. moments. And same for Yakov Trenin and yes. same for that. I mean, and, you know, for people getting caught up on, um, you know, line numbers and stuff, uh, a couple of years ago, or not a couple of years ago, but back in 2002 when the Red Wings won the Stanley Cup, their fourth line was Thomas Holmstrom, Luke Robitaille, and Igor Larionov. So... You know, you don't have to have your big right. checky boys be the number, like they're the fourth line. Mm -hmm. um, hey, real quick, I just want to kind of throw a couple names. Uh, we, we've talked about Yuso Parsonen. Um, yeah. We have talked about um, Afanasiev, maybe some of those guys um, coming up, even Yakum Kondalik. Do you see any of, have you seen anything from those guys that would make you think, okay, these guys are definitely going to maybe compete for a spot? You know, really like all three of their game. I just don't only and and because the pool is so big, I just think they don't. They don't have a lot of NHL minutes already. And I just think the pool is too big to pull from. Love what I'm seeing from them. I think those are three players that are performing well, but no, I don't. Marcus Nermy too. Again, that's another one where I'm like in a different in a different time, Marcus Nermy could be competing for for a roster spot. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think all those guys are probably going to be in Milwaukee, although I do like what mm -hmm. they said. Yeah, Afanasiev definitely, I think, needs a little more or a little more seizing as well. Yeah. Another thing we didn't really mention is Cole Smith, um, who played very well in that first preseason game. Um, you know, has obviously had some experience in Mil or it with the NHL level, but again, mm -hmm. he seems like a Milwaukee guy. Um, yeah. But that, that's kind of another name to watch out for as well, yeah. so... There's a lot of guys, Anne. A lot of guys. Guys fighting for just a, lot a of guys. Months. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. So we want to know what you think. We want to know maybe who you think is good, could be in the Predators' fourth line. Do you think they're going to keep it big, punchy, tall boys? Or do you think maybe they add a little more finesse and make it another scoring line? So what we want you to do is go on to the Locked on Predators YouTube channel, leave a comment, let us know what you think the lineup should be, or tweet us at LO underscore Predators. Give us your thoughts, and we will love to hear them. Uh, and where can the people find your work online? You can find my work at InsideThePreds.com, and you can find me on Twitter at AnnK underscore Ooh, Mama on Ice. It's been a long day. It's been um, a long day. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at underscore NS Morgan. Read my work at onthefourcheck.com. That's going to do it for us today on the Locked On Predators podcast. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We'll be back tomorrow with an all new episode. We'll see you then.